One of the most popular questions that I am asked as a pastor concerning heaven is about our knowledge in heaven. Will we know one another in heaven? Find out today on this edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast. Listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. As we started our new series on heaven, uh, we've had a lot of wonderful, wonderful questions uh, that have been asked. And uh, I started noticing after a, after a while that a lot of the questions could be fit into several different categories. And um, one of the top two questions, uh, in fact, I would say is probably the second most popular question that I've been asked. The first one we're going to deal with here in a few weeks, and you'll have to be here to find out what that is. <laughs> it's, just a, it's my shameless plug, but we'll, we'll find out here in a few weeks. But the second most asked question of all the questions I've been asked about heaven is, will we know one another in heaven? Will we know each other uh, in heaven? And so today, as I was uh, praying about this and looking at various passages of Scripture, I came across a passage of Scripture that deals with this, but it may be a bizarre passage of Scripture to think about when we talk about heaven and especially knowing each other in heaven. Uh, We want to look at the Gospel of Matthew chapter 17. And we're going to look at Jesus' transfiguration on the mount. Now, why is this so important? Well, think for a moment. There were two people who appeared with Jesus, who spoke with Jesus. Who were those individuals? Without looking, who were those individuals? Anybody know? I hear some whispering. (laughs) Moses and Elijah. Okay, now Moses had died some 1,400 years earlier. Elijah had died some 800 years earlier. But here you see these two individuals with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they're talking to one another. So with uh, everybody who can and is able, please uh, grab your copy of God's Word. Matthew chapter 17 is where we're going to be, verses 1 through 13. And we would ask everyone uh, who can and is able to please stand uh, to, uh, to pay homage to the reading and hearing of God's precious holy Word. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 13. And we especially want to focus our attention today on on the uh, exchange of what happens with Moses and Elijah. Again, Moses and Elijah, they had already died. Uh, They're in God's presence here. They've already died, but here you see them before Jesus in God's presence. And and just pay very close attention to what's going on with them in this passage of Scripture. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured. This word transfigure uh, means that his appearance changed. It was likened to his glorified state. 
So at that point in time, Peter, James, and John saw Jesus in all of His glory. uh, And absolutely this amazed them to no end. His face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as the light. When you talk about God, you talk about Jesus, you talk about the Holy Spirit, you're talking about a light that is just absolutely amazing. A light that just it, it consumes us. It just envelops all around us. Okay, and uh, white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them. And look what it says, talking with, the, with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is God the Father, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, he didn't have that country whine into his voice that I have. Can you imagine the thunder coming from God's voice? This is my beloved son. I wish At this point, I wish I had the voice of George Beverly Shea. It would sound a lot better, you know, coming from George Beverly Shea at this point. This is my beloved son, and whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. They probably passed out. The biblical way of saying they probably passed out. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, What then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Or why then do they say And Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist, and most likely, if I'm understanding this right, John the Baptist had probably already died and been executed by this point. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and what it means to us. And Lord, as we open the pages of your scripture, we ask, Lord, that you would simply give me the words that that I need to speak and hold back any words that don't need to be spoken. And Lord, through this, uh, as we're talking about heaven, Lord, just give us the peace that that, that on, on the other side of waiting for us is this beautiful place where there's nothing but love and joy and peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faith, and so on and so forth. Lord, I just ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes, that we would see the truths that you've given for us today. Open our ears that we would hear, and open our hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Next week, um, we're going to talk about marriage in heaven. So we're going to talk a little bit about the relationships today that we have with one another as we go through this message. But one thing, I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer for next week's message. There are no marriages in heaven. Now, Sylvia, don't start dancing back there now. (laughs) Or Tommy, either one. There are no marriages in heaven. The marriages don't follow over into heaven. And so we're going to take a look at why that's the case next week. But uh, there was a story uh, of this woman Now, she didn't, I'm not advocating anybody do this or anything of the sort, okay? There's this woman who uh, was known to pester her husband quite a bit during their life. Her husband died, 
And so she went and she wanted to speak to her husband. Now, ladies, this could be flipped the other way around, okay? Uh, <laughs> I see some looks going on. I may have gotten myself in trouble here. But anyhow, uh, this, uh, this woman hires a medium and she wants to have a seance and she wants to call back the spirit of her husband. And just to ask her husband if he's okay. You know, again, she liked to pester him quite a bit. And so uh, the medium does this, and sure enough, the, the husband stands before the woman and says, Honey, is heaven wonderful? And the husband replied, Yes, honey, is heaven is absolutely wonderful. But that's not saying a whole lot, because the other place would be wonderful because you're not there. <laughs> now that'll bless your heart, amen? <laughs> that'll bless your heart. Well, like I said, I don't advocate that. But uh, one thing that we do ask ourselves quite a bit is will we know one another in heaven? Uh, do we know one another in heaven? And again, thank goodness that joke is fictional, but it does bring to mind this question, will we be able to know one another when we stand before God's heaven? This passage of Scripture, again, takes a look at the transfiguration of Jesus. But you know, I've read this passage several times, several times over, but I didn't stop to consider the fact that Moses and Elijah, they had already died. They, they were already in the presence of God, and here they were standing with Jesus, talking with Jesus. You know, they knew Jesus, Jesus knew them, they knew one another, and even the disciples knew them. So to answer that question, do we know one another in heaven? The answer is absolutely yes, we do. We absolutely know one another in heaven. But what does this mean? We want to look at three principles we find as it pertains to our knowledge of heaven and in, uh, our knowledge of each other in heaven. First and foremost, we see that in their glorified state, the prophets' identities were known. They were known. Their identities were known. So your identity, when you die and go into heaven, your identity remains with you. Now, now we're going to take, let's dissect this a little bit. First and foremost, we see that they were known by the divine. They were known by God. God allowed the prophets to stand with Jesus here on the Mount of Transfiguration. They were known by Jesus because notice that Jesus, immediately when he's transfigured, you see Moses standing here, Elijah standing there, and they're all talking with one another. So God knows us when we enter eternity, just as he knew the, the prophets that were speaking with Jesus on the uh, Mount of Transfiguration. Most likely this had happened well after John the Baptist had been executed. Uh, you remember the story, John the Baptist was imprisoned, and uh, John the Baptist uh, uh, told it like it was, and King Herod didn't like it, and, and in a drunken stupor, uh, uh, Herod's uh, daughter, uh, stepdaughter danced in front of him and said he'd give her anything he wanted. What did she want? She said she wanted the head of John the Baptist. So John the Baptist was beheaded, you see. Now, so John the Baptist was most likely dead by this time. Jesus knew John the Baptist in heaven. So the most important thing, even if we didn't know one another, the most important thing is that God knows us. Amen? And as long as God knows us, nothing else really matters. Amen? As long as God knows us, that's the most important thing. You know, I've heard a lot of stories as we've talked about... Uh, the passing of Billy Graham. I noticed on Facebook, Dennis Shaw uh, posted a picture of where he met Billy Graham. And I wish Dennis was here because in that picture is proof he did have hair. Uh, Dennis had hair at that point in time. <laughs> 
And so uh, he, he shared that story. He shared that, uh, the, his opportunity to meet Billy Graham. Dr. Purser at Liberty University shared a story. When he was in Charlotte, uh, he and his family were taking a trip down there, and, and they had a tire to blow out. And he was in the process of changing the tire, and lo and behold, here comes Billy Graham. He didn't realize who he was at first, and when he stood up, uh, Billy Graham asked him, says, uh, do you need any help? Is there anything I can do for you? And Leo, uh, Dr. Purser said he looked and says, whoa, aren't you Billy Graham? And he says, well, guilty as charged. <laughs> you know, I am mean, even, you need any help, you know, is what he would say. And I've even shared this story before. It's, it's amazing when we meet somebody of notoriety like that. Uh, I've shared the story of whenever I was up at Fruitland Bible uh, College meeting Dr. Mark Quartz of Calvary Baptist Church. What a wonderful man he was. And I'm sure he's one that's got several rewards in heaven. Uh, but he met me one time, and I later met him that evening. And even though he had met thousands of people, he still remembered my name, remembered where I was from, and remembered who my pastor was. Now, it did help the fact that my pastor was Greg Mathis, the pastor there, his, his grandfather. But even still, the fact that he remembered all that information about me was mind-boggling. Now, we think about this, but understand, Jesus, the Son of Almighty God, He knows you and loves you with an everlasting love. There's not a love that we have on earth that can even match the love that God has for you. We're told in the Bible that even before we're even born, God knows us and has a purpose for our lives. God knows how many hairs are on our heads or the lack thereof, and I'm getting fewer and fewer as the years go by. Uh, God knows everything there is to know about us, and that knowledge and that love and that compassion that He has for us will carry over into heaven. Beloved, you will know in heaven that you are loved with an absolute, uncompromising love, and that love will never end. Can I hear an amen? amen. That love will never change. You know, our love relationships on earth, they change, but the love that God has for us will never, ever change. But we're also going to be known by each other. He's known by the divine, but he's known by the disciples as well, or the prophets were. Notice that Peter, there's a couple of interesting things that take place here. Notice that Peter noticed, that recognizes both Moses and Elijah. And what does Peter do? Bless his heart. Peter's like myself, he's... I, I have probably stuck this foot in my mouth more times than I could count. And Simon Peter's the same way. Anyone else there? Boy, I need some repair of shoes there. Uh, anyone? I mean, obviously. And so Simon Peter, Simon Peter, he sees Moses and Elijah and Jesus standing there. And he asks, uh, can I build these tabernacles for all three of you here? To recognize, to commemorate this event. Um, first, the two things that we see in this. Number one... We will know one another in heaven. Because notice that Peter knew both Moses and Elijah. But notice something else that's very interesting here. Apparently, we're going to somehow know those in the past. I don't know. There's nothing in the Scripture that says that Jesus described to them who these two individuals were. It's like they automatically knew. And so I think when we get to heaven, I can't prove this. This is, this is part opinion. But when we get to heaven, I really believe that we're going to be able to know people of the past without even being introduced to them. Somehow or another, we're going to have this connection with one another that we know one another better than we do now. I mean, I see you and you see me. I don't know all the things you've been through in life and you don't know all the things I've been through in life. But when we come together, 
In heaven, we're going to know each other as we're known. We're going to know one another and the trials and tribulations we faced. And we're going to be able to help one another and love one another the way Christ loves us. This past week, I got tickled. You know, a lot of times now when we think of cemeteries and things of this nature, we, uh, we, we kind of shudder sometimes. There was a guy who came to the church, a couple of guys who came to the church this past week, and they were installing some cable for us behind the church. And as you know, behind the church, there's the cemetery. And there was these, uh, this, this one guy, he came up and he says, uh, now, where do you want this dug? And I showed him, he says, man, there, there's a tombstone over there. I said, yeah, I know, you'll be fine. He said, no, you don't understand, there's a tombstone. That's somebody's tomb right there, man. I said, yeah, it's going to be fine. He says, now listen, I don't want him and that person getting mad at me, so are you sure this is okay? And I said, man, I promise you go as close to the fence as you can, you're going to be fine. I guarantee you're going to be fine. But as we go out to the cemetery, and this past week I've gone out there looking at the different tombstones and just thinking how neat it will be, how cool it will be to be able to sit down and have some conversations with individuals of the past. I even think Melissa even thought this past week of, uh, I often think about what Grandpa uh, is doing even now in heaven. And I can't help but think that him and Dr. Birch are having some good conversations up there. I imagine, that, I imagine they are joined by other people uh, who, who have the opportunity of knowing one another in heaven. The wonderful thing is that we will know each other in heaven. We will know one another better than we ever could possibly know. Number two, we see that in their glorified state... The prophet's relationships were known. Now here again, I'm not talking about marital relationships because next week you're going to see that marriages don't carry over into heaven and there's a reason. There are several reasons for it we'll look at next week. Now Jennifer, she may be jumping up and down about that too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. But anyhow, uh, we do see that this relationship that we have uh, certain relationships we have with one another carry over. And, and what I mean by this is we see that the relationships were known with each other. In verse 1 we see that the disciples were not in heaven, but they still had a relationship they had before the experience. But we see that they had a good relationship, but we see the prophets had a good relationship. Notice what you don't find here. You see Moses and Elijah, and you don't hear Moses saying to Elijah, or saying to Jesus, tell that Elijah that I'm the better prophet. I was the one standing on Mount Sinai. I'm the one who carried down the Ten Commandments. Hey man, the first five books got my name written on it. Tell him I'm the better prophet. We've been arguing about this in heaven. I came down from Mount Sinai. I had to get on to those people for building a golden calf. Tell him I'm the better prophet. And you didn't hear Elijah on the other hand saying, hey, Jesus, please, set this man straight. Ask this man how many prophets of Baal he ever stood in front of. 800, I did, you know. Uh, ask him if he ever called down fire from heaven, even though I put water on this sacrifice. Ask him if he ever had this Jezebel woman he had ever had to fight against the, the king's wife. Ask him if he ever had to do this hiding out in caves. I'm the better prophet. Did you see that? No, you didn't see that at all. You see, the experience they had with one another was really good. You know, a lot of times we in this world, we, we try so hard. We're so competitive, aren't we? We're so competitive. We compete over everything. In fact, my son and I, we, we, a lot of times we'll get home, I'll get home from taking him to school. And just to aggravate him, I, we'll have these games. Uh, first one on the porch wins. And the way I normally do it, I kind of cheat. I agree. I admit. Uh, like, we'll, like, say this is the porch, and I say, hey, Grayson, 
First one on the porch wins. And it drives him nuts. <laughs> or I'll step in the house door and say, first one in the house wins. And it drives him nuts. And then he tries to pay me back. We do this about every day. Uh, but when we talk about competition, there's one thing there. But let's be honest, we compete against one another on everything. And so many of us try to keep up with the Joneses, don't we? One person said we, we buy things with money we don't have, with things we don't need, to impress people we don't even like. Isn't that true? So many times we do. But praise God in heaven, that's not going to be there, is it? It's not going to be the case. Because we're going to be in heaven together. All this needless competition that we have, we're not going to have anymore. We're not going to have to worry about school shootings. We're not going to worry, have to worry about church shootings. and We're not going to have to worry about any of things like that. Because in heaven, there's going to be a place of perfect peace where we're going to love one another. The relationship we have with one another is going to far surpass anything we've ever experienced on this side. But we also see that the relationship with God carries over. Notice that Moses and Elijah were able to stand beside Jesus in all his glory because of the faith that they had in God and in the promise that a Messiah would come. The only way to be in heaven is to make sure, as Ashley already told us this morning, is to make sure that your names are written on the Lamb's Book of Life. And how is your names written on the Lamb's Book of Life? If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... Your name has been punched. Your name has been written down. Your ticket has been punched. And you will be in the presence of God. Now, let's be honest. Even today, our relationship with God is not what it's going to be. Now, what do I mean by this? I mean, because if you're honest, let's be honest. I've noticed in my prayer life, and I wonder how many other people are like this. I hope it's not just me. But if I'm seated or I'm standing or I'm, and I'm, or I'm bowing somewhere, praying to God, it seems like my mind always drifts. Anybody else like that? It seems like I come up with checklists of things I've got to do during the time that I'm sitting there praying with God. And it drives me nuts. <laughs> and I think, Lord, let me focus back on you. I, you know, this other, the other things can wait. But in heaven, we're not going to have these distractions that we have today. We're going to have full fellowship with God uninterrupted and like anything we've ever experienced before. And last but certainly not least... Notice that in their glorified state, the prophets' positions were known. They were known to be prophets. They were known to be prophets. Now, notice that they were known by Jesus. Jesus knew the men as prophets, even though Moses had died 1,439 years earlier, and Elijah had died some 884 years prior to their meeting. They, he still knew them and knew the things that they had done for the glory of God. Now, while it is true that you cannot take your material possessions with you in, in heaven, Jesus seems to tell us to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It does seem that we can mount up spiritual blessings in heaven by the rewards that we do for Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be a Billy Graham. Understand that. You don't have to stand before a pulpit to thousands of people to earn rewards in heaven. I believe there are several people in Huntsville Baptist Church that have numerous rewards of, of which nobody else probably knows except God alone. You know why? Because I believe there are several people working behind the scenes. I believe there are several people on their knees in prayer, praying for other individuals, praying for the church, praying for me even, uh, praying, praying for lost loved ones. There are individuals praying, and I'm going to tell you that you're going to be rewarded for that. Amen? Nothing that you do for God 
will go unnoticed. And those things that you do for God, maybe it's giving someone a cup of water. Maybe it's giving someone something in a time of need. Maybe it's a good deed that you do in the name of Jesus. Maybe it's a kind word that you share with someone. Maybe it's something like that. But you will be rewarded for those things in heaven. As we mentioned Wednesday night, we see that uh, that there are two seats of judgment. On the one hand, there's the great white throne judgment where people will stand who don't have Christ as their Savior and they're going to have to give an account for everything they've done wrong from the moment they're born to the day they die. The sins of commission, the things they do, the sins of omission, the things they didn't do and supposed to have done. Thoughts even. Did you know God can even read our thoughts? That's a scary thing. Amen? Scares me. I don't know if it does anybody else. He can read our thoughts. He knows our heart's intentions. He knows everything there is to know about us. But can you imagine on the great white throne of God's judgment, unbelievers who aren't in Christ will stand before God and give an account for every single one of those things. But for those of us in Christ, we're told in 1 and 2 Corinthians that we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ, which means that the things we do wrong... It's covered by the blood. Praise God. Amen. We're forgiven for those things. So now listen, when I say this, don't go home worrying, oh my goodness, that's going to keep me out of heaven. The Bible says there's only one thing that will keep you out of heaven. That's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which means rejection of Christ unto death. Amen. Aren't you glad about that? I don't know about you, but I praise God for that fact. I praise God for that fact. But understand this, the things you do good, the Bible tells us, God's going to weigh them, and God's going to give them back as rewards. Now, what does that mean? I picture this being like a graduation day. Everybody there is going to graduate into heaven. But there's going to be some people, some people you didn't even realize doing things you didn't even know, who are going to have these these robes on, these, these perhaps even little cords, like you see at a graduation, cum laude, graduating with honors. Or maybe magna cum laude, graduating with high honors. Or even summa cum laude, graduating with the highest honors. All of us are going to the same heaven. All of us are going to the same place. But those who've worked hard for Christ, they're going to be rewarded for those things. Now, time out. Hold on a second. I want to tell you something very important. Is everybody wide awake and listening? Because I really want you to hear this. You may be thinking to yourself, oh, I don't know if I have any rewards to give. Are you listening really carefully? I want you to to say amen if you are. If you're here today and you say, I don't know if I have any rewards to give, guess what? You're not dead yet. Amen? You're not dead yet. You still have more time on this earth. So you may have a few weeks left. You may have a few years left. You still have time to do something great for Christ. So instead of beating our... This is the beautiful thing about this. Instead of beating ourselves up for the things we did or didn't do in the past... Accept God's grace and forgiveness and look forward to the future and do something great for Christ. Amen? Amen. Who knows, we may have another Billy Graham in this congregation even right now. Probably not Brian Chilton because I get nervous even standing up here on Sunday morning. I can't imagine thousands and thousands of people. My goodness, I'd probably pass out from a panic attack, you know, with all that. But we may have another Billy Graham in our congregation as far as we know right now. We may have another Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher who brought to faith the man who led the man who led the man who led the man who led the man to save uh, to, to lead Billy Graham to salvation. One person can make a huge difference. Amen. 
Edward Kimball brought to faith, I think his name was Wilbur Chapman, I may have this wrong, who brought to faith D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody uh, brought to faith somebody else who brought to faith Billy Sunday, who led Mordecai Ham to faith, who in turn led Billy Graham to faith. It started with a Sunday school teacher. So Billy Graham will have rewards, but so will Edward Kimball in England who led that young soul to faith. Understand what you do for Christ really matters. Secondly, the, the, the deeds were known by the disciples. I don't think this is going to be a brag fest, but I do think we see that the, the, the disciples knew the prophets and who they were and what they'd done. But I think when we get to heaven, it's not going to be a brag fest to saying, hey, look how many rewards I got. <laughs> Isn't that something? <laughs> it's not going to be the way it is. We're going to rejoice with one another for the rewards that we have in heaven because we're going to, we're going to, we're going to thank each other for the work that each other's done for Christ. I believe we're going to thank the prophets. We're going to be able to have conversations with them. Again, this is not going to be a means of competition, but all by which of having a means to celebrate Christ and to glorify Him. Those working behind the scenes will get the recognition that they deserve for doing the things that they deserve. And let me close with this. Outside of those who were with us in Bible study, how many of you have ever heard the name Asbel Petrie? Anyone ever heard the name Asbel Petrie? Asbel Petrie served as a pioneer preacher in the Cumberland Mountains of eastern Kentucky in the early 1900s. One day an author came by to visit and was interested in some of the spiritual and, and, and physical adventures that Asbel Petrie had had. He was kind of a hiker and a guy who explored several different ways. I still don't know if he, if he was as good as a, of a runner as David Beatty, who ran three miles in 24 minutes. That is just not human. How do you do that? But he did that, amen? <laughs> Ruth Ann can, just, can testify. That's just amazing to me. I still can't get over that. But I don't know that he could have done that, but he, he explored the mountains and, uh, and did several different things. But the author interviewed him and he asked, what is the greatest single thing that has happened to you during your long ministry in the Cumberland Mountains? Petrie pointed to a white church clearly visible on a nearby hill. He said, two Sundays ago I was a guest of honor at services held at that church. As we entered the building, the ushers gave each person a red rose. When the services were almost over, the pastor asked me to stand. Then he said to the members of the congregation, If Brother Petrie was the one responsible for your finding Christ as your Savior, come up and pin a rose on him. Petrie said they started coming from every part of the church. They pinned roses all over my coat, down my pant legs, all over my back. I felt like a blooming idiot. But he said, but I would not trade all those roses for all the hardware in those hills, nor all the coal beneath the surface of the land, and, in all, and for all the gold in Fort Knox. Most Christians have never heard of Asbel Petrie, but there are thousands just like him who have remained faithful to Christ and for his call during their lifetime. They have focused on the command of the Great Commission to make disciples, and we should follow the example of Asbel Petrie not all of us are going to get the recognition that Billy Graham has. But understand, God will give us the recognition. And as long as God recognizes the things we do for Him, that's the most important thing. Amen? That's the most important thing. So what do we take from this? Four things. First and foremost, we will be known in heaven as we're known. So rest assured, if you have had loved ones who've gone on before, you're going to see them again. If they're in Christ, you're going to see them again. And I truly believe... Uh, I wasn't prepared to talk about this this morning. I truly believe that those who are, are before the age of accountability, I think that you're going to see them as well.
I think young children who've died, you're going to see them again. You're going to see individuals who have passed on, you're going to see them again. We had two miscarriages, and, I, and I, I'm about certain that we're going to see two ch- other children. We're going to see three children, including my son, in heaven. Um, so you're going to be known in heaven. Our friendships and relationships will greatly increase in heaven. We're not going to have anything to stand between us in heaven. What we do for Christ on earth will carry into heaven. That means you're going to be blessed for the things you do in Christ. Even those things that are not noticed by anything, anyone else. And so I just wrap this up by saying this. I used to have a t-shirt when I was a little kid. had a little slogan on it. And I love it. And I carry it on to this, for this, to this very day. It says, keep working for Christ. The pay isn't much, but the retirement plan is out of this world. And I think that's very true. Amen. Keep working for Christ. The pay may not be much on this side of eternity. You may not be recognized much on this side of eternity. But the, the retirement plan is certainly out of this world. So with every head bowed and every eye closed. First and foremost, here today I would encourage you that if you don't know Christ, that today you would come down and receive Him as your Savior in God. Listen, you say, I, I don't know that Jesus would save me for all the things I've done in the past. I'm going to tell you, He knows you better than you know yourself. He loves you with an everlasting love, and despite the things you've been through in the past, He wants to save you today. Would you just simply come down and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you're here today, and and, and maybe you're worried that maybe you're not going to have many rewards in heaven. Maybe this very day is the day you need to, to rededicate your heart and life to Christ, to make sure that you do work for Christ so that you'll have something to give back when your day comes. Or maybe you'd like to come and join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart, we just encourage you to come and respond as the Holy Spirit calls. You kind of gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of being in your word. And Lord, we thank you for the promise that we have in heaven. That Lord, that, that your love for us will transcend into heaven. And that love that we experience now is just a foretaste of that powerful love that we'll experience in heaven, that peace, that joy that transcends our imaginations. Lord, maybe there's someone here today who doesn't know you. Maybe they need to come down and make that commitment of faith today. I just encourage, Lord, you, you just to let that person know that you love them and, and are leading them to that salvation so that they too can experience this wondrous heaven that we've been talking about for several weeks. Maybe there's someone here today, Lord, that's just distraught and have many things pressing upon them and they just want to lay those things at the foot of the cross. We just encourage you, Lord, just to have your will and your way in that person's life as well. Just have your will and your way in this time of invitation. And we'll give you the thanks for, and glory for anything that happens. For it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen and amen. Would you please stand as we sing our final selection? Some say the best Bible translation is the one that's most literal, word for word, through and through. But there's not always a direct English translation of ancient words. So others say the best Bible translation should favor readability, thought for thought, holding on to the same meaning. But we can all agree that the very best Bible translation is one you trust and one that you want to read. One that stirs your heart 
and moves you to share its truth. The Christian Standard Bible has been shown to be an optimal blend of accuracy and readability compared to other leading translations. The very best balance, faithfulness to the original text, and clear language that connects to the heart. After all, it's not so much about changing your Bible translation, but about seeing the Bible change your life. Point your heart to true north. The Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible is the official translation of BellatorChristi.com. Go pick up your translation of the CSB today. We're standing on the ground that for three years we have prayed that will one day be the site of the greatest Christian school in the world. We prayed that way. We believe God gave us this mountain for that purpose. I've said to these young people repeatedly and I say it again to you today, you are the hope of America. When you leave the graduation platform of liberty, I want you to leave it running. Leave it running with a vision burning in your soul. You're going to change this world for Christ. Don't look around and wonder who it is. Say, God, make it me. Make it me. Because we're training champions. That's a part of the vision. Write the vision, make it plain. We're training champions to change the world. Those words, spoken by Dr. Jerry Falwell, cast a vision that brought us to this mountain. Those who were around during the early years remember attending convocation in a 3,000-seat tent because no building on campus could hold all the students. Then there was the winter of 1977 when the building they'd been using for classes was scheduled for demolition. Their response was to stand in the snow for two hours, praying. Welcome to Liberty, where we train champions for Christ. Welcome to a world of audacious dreams, a world where strong character is built with grit and grace. A world where men and women go out bravely to fix what's broken. What one man dreamed, his son built. Ten years ago, President Falwell picked up the mantle his father laid down. And the university has been flourishing in ways thousands of faithful dreamers had seen only in their prayers. Our tradition of unwavering faith is their legacy. Because you are what they prayed for. Graduates, you will face seemingly insurmountable hardships and obstacles often throughout your career. At times, everything will seem hopeless and every fiber of your being will be screaming for you to quit and give up on your dreams. But persevering in those darkest hours is what separates the winners from the losers. Only if you press on will you achieve greatness. 
In less than 50 years, 154 students have become 110,000. Missed paydays have become a billion dollar campus, and what began as a preposterous dream has become the largest Christian university in the world. With elite Carnegie status and FBS football, oh, we're coming, and we're coming to win. And we're not leaving our convictions behind. We still have the privilege, the right, and the responsibility to show the world what Jesus looks like. We still believe that hard work, courage, and integrity define our faith as much as compassion and kindness. We are bold. We are innovative. We are faithful and diligent. We celebrate both our diversity and our unity as one family. At Liberty, the privilege to mentor the next generation of Christian leaders is not something we take lightly because virtues necessary for a praiseworthy life are not built overnight. They require scholars with determination, creativity, and a passion for wisdom. Our faculty have done great things, helped invent hearing devices for the deaf, done groundbreaking research on technology addiction, influenced the way crime labs use DNA analysis, they have written film scores, won Emmys, and made headlines in archaeology, philosophy, and paleontology. But their greatest legacy will be you. We defy the stereotypes that others try to impose on us. Your classmates are directing their own films, interning at NASA, and taking on poverty across the globe. While the world sees champions as only victors, we will reclaim the word and its meaning. We champions in order to affirm our tradition of unwavering faith, ignite a passion for wisdom, challenge perspectives, inspire creativity and pursue knowledge, do resolve to be the voice for the voiceless, bring healing to the hurting, fight for the oppressed, defend freedom, defy stereotypes, and follow God's calling wherever it may lead. It is who we are, it's what we stand for. It always has been and always will be. To learn more about Liberty University, go to liberty.edu.